0: Welcome to Preheated, kitchen wisdom and friendly chat from two friends who love to bake. I'm Andrea Ballard. And I'm Stefan Cohn. Every week, we celebrate the successes, failures, learning, and laughs that go hand-in-hand with Baking for Those We Love. On today's short bonus show, I have hot news from my pie camp reunion in Nashville. Back in the Pacific Northwest, Stefan and I will also review our old-fashioned dessert and award the coveted blue ribbon to the 2017 baking resolutions we're most likely to keep. So grab yourself a cup of coffee and get ready for some short and sweet talk.
1: Stefan, have you checked our Facebook group lately? I have. I am loving it. We are attracting recipes and memes. The Tom Petty meme is up right now. <laughs> Check it out. It's hysterical. <laughs> that was a pretty good one. Um, I was intrigued
0: by two of the different posting threads. One was from listener Genevieve, who posted a picture of some blueberry muffins she whipped up, and they just look so good to me.
1: Yeah, the photo was awesome. Genevieve, I think you may be our first listener from New York, too. Welcome. Oh, our East Coast connection. I yes. love it. Yes. Yeah.
0: <laughs> and then I really enjoyed listener Barb posting her photo of the Eiffel Tower
1: constructed entirely in macaroons. Thank you. I know. Now, one does wonder how many less macaroons they would – have to have used, had they done yours, Andrea, the supersize yeah. macaron. macaroon. Right.
0: <laughs> need, needless to say, I will not be tackling the, yes. the recreation of a monument anytime soon. I will, however, um, be keeping up with listener Jan, who is traveling and headed to Paris next month. Um, I feel I'm going to dub her our uh, preheated road correspondent, and she will need to do a lot of pastry tasting and, and report that.
1: Oh, Jan, woman on the street in Paris, please. We would love to see those pictures. You cannot turn a corner without eating something delicious in Paris. I know. I can't wait to see what she comes up with. Hey, Andrea, have you heard that 2017 has officially been designated the year of the Bunt cake?
0: No. <laughs> <laughs> oh,
1: it's where did true. You that? Uh-huh. And none other than our friends at King Arthur Flower have designated that. I think this just goes to show that someone at King Arthur must be listening to Preheated since you and I had this figured out back in November. We're so prescient, my friend. You no, know, <laughs> we had awarded our coveted blue
0: ribbon back in 2016 to that pumpkin cinnamon cream cheese bundt oh. cake that we both loved. And of course, that started your um, mini obsession
1: with baker's joy. Yeah, I still think about that cake a lot. And it's, yeah. I also found a kind of a funny but intriguing recipe in my um, food and wine in the December, November or December issue had a pasta dish that was baked in a bunt pan. So if there's anyone out there who might want to try this with me, I will post it up on Facebook. And it's kind of like a mac and cheese, but it uses spaghetti noodles. And then you make it in your bunt pan and then you turn it out at the end. So it's really pretty and very intriguing if uh if you want to try something else during this year of the bunt
0: oh interesting and you know king arthur also i saw has a mardi gras king cake recipe in a bunt pan so i'll save that for february but i might be trying that out as well
1: yes and actually i have a new orleans food related question for you i'm ready okay ready i'm ready Um, So in my Family Circle magazine, on the very back page, they have a recipe for something called a honey cherry baby. And it says it is a Louisiana favorite. I've never heard of this. It's like a biscuit with a mascarpone cream inside and then a dry – this one has a dried cherry fruit compote. Is a honey cherry baby a, a, a Louisiana dessert that you're familiar with? I have never heard of it.
0: It sounds fat. It sounds fat. <laughs> okay, it's bogus. Yeah. <laughs> um the only reference to a baby in New Orleans that I think of is king cakes typically have a baby the, inside The of baby now. in it, the little plastic baby. Right. And um, you're lucky if you get that, right? Well, it depends. Um, oh. when, I, when I was growing up and you got it, yes, you're lucky, but it also means that you are responsible for bringing the next king cake. So it used to drive my mother insane because I, you know, we'd go to school, we'd have one, I think, once a week. And I would get on a roll sometimes where I would get the baby two, three weeks in a <laughs> row, which meant that my mom was having to buy a king cake for the whole classroom. So uh, you're
1: eating a king cake. Let me get this straight. Yes. You're eating a king cake. <laughs> The whole time? Like the whole Mardi Gras celebration? That's just the dessert? Well, so when I was growing up, it only
0: was around Mardi Gras, I would say, maybe, 2 to 3 weeks around Mardi Gras. That's my memory and my memory's fairly faulty so don't judge me on that. Um I think now like it probably kicks off January 1st, you know. And you can eat king cake anytime. So no, it's not the only dessert you're eating, but at least when I was growing up in schools, we would have one once a week. Every classroom would have wow.
1: one. And, and if it you- sounds Wow.
0: If you went to someone's house, there was usually one on the counter and they would offer you one. And the ones that I always had were just your basic cinnamon roll with a white glaze and the purple, green and gold sugar. Now they have some that are so incredible. They just look amazing. You know, they'll have like a burnt caramel chocolate
1: king cake or something like that. So... Awesome. All right. I'm really glad I had that little Mardi Mardi Gras uh, primer there. Um, Thank you. Awesome. Um, Well, speaking of some historic and important desserts, we're going to review our Raspberry Flummery from last week. This was our last 2017 baking resolution, which was to try an old-fashioned recipe. And I loved flummery i loved it all i loved the color i loved the taste i loved the presentation the fruit flavor it was so head and shoulders above a boxed jello which is essentially what you're making here is a fresh fruit jello there you know we uh, we're going to be talking about puddings and custards in march and there's it's one of those baking arenas that it's nothing like the boxed version nothing it's so simple to make I felt like I was actually having a fruit dessert there is some sugar involved here but I, I mean I, I don't know how many more superlatives I can I can tell you it was gorgeous it was dark red it I had, I swirled mine with just a little of the cream on top I loved serving it in my coupe and wine glasses Andrea this was a huge win for me. How about you yeah you're not alone. I
0: loved this dessert. Um I had numerous things I loved about it. Number 1, it only has four ingredients and one of those ingredients is water. So <laughs> <laughs> So so really 3, right? <laughs> So really three. So super, super easy. It came together quickly. I love the color. Um, I think it has a lot of options as far as you can, you know, serve it in a coupe. I, of course, hauled out my little mason jars because I just love desserts in little mason jars. I just, I think they're adorable. Um, would it surprise you, however, to know that I did modify the recipe a little bit? Not surprised. <laughs> So, and here's why, as I was looking at the recipe and um, one of my 2017 baking resolutions that I haven't talked about is I am trying to make myself read recipes through all the way to the end.
1: Okay. Because All right.
0: That That's one of the things that I've not been good about. And it often comes comes back to bite me. So when I was reading the recipe through, um, and this is really easy. I mean, basically you're combining the raspberries with the sugar and heating them up on the stove. And then you've got a separate um, container with the water and the gelatin that you're heating up as well. Right. And you boil the raspberry sugar mixture just enough to dissolve the sugar, and then you add in the gelatin mixture, and then you spoon it, you know, you strain it through a sieve, and then you spoon it into your serving dish. I mean, it couldn't be easier. But I happen to have a bottle of Chambord in my pantry. Oh, Chambord. Chambord, (laughs) which is uh, raspberry liqueur. And so I immediately thought, well, gosh, wouldn't this be good in here? (laughs) And so I added two tablespoons of Chambord, Chambord. Okay. And then I panicked thinking <laughs> that, you know, I thought about the fact that I- – like when I add alcohol to ice cream, it can make it not set up as well. Okay. Um, you know, I, the alcohol. Yeah, I mean, think about it. If you throw vodka into the freezer, it never freezes. It's right. still liquidy. Right. And so I got a little bit nervous. I didn't want to add more gelatin because I actually am not a huge um, fan of gelatin texture. I mean, this is unflavored gelatin, so you can't taste it, but it can get a little gummy to me. Yeah. So I got crazy and I threw in a tablespoon
1: of chia seeds. Oh, okay. That is it, crazy. It is crazy. They like, they like plump up, right?
0: They plump up. And I I chose those because I thought I've used them in smoothies before. And I've noticed that if I put them in a smoothie and then I end up eating the smoothie like half an hour later instead of right away, they will plump up and make it thicker. And so they did that. And, and you know, they add little black flecks, which maybe might detract from the beauty a little bit. But I feel that they add a health component that
1: wasn't there otherwise. It's really offsetting the booze that you've just added in. So <laughs> that's kind of what I decided. Uh, yes. Um, and then oh, Very that was, interesting.
0: Yeah. And it was super successful. So I, I made it um, with the chambord and the chia seeds. I tried it an hour later. It was set up. It wasn't Um, completely firm. It was still kind of wobbly. And I ate it and I loved it so much, I then ate um, another one. So I ate two of them just right in a row. The third one I left in the fridge and I ate that one later that night and I didn't like it as much. It was much firmer. So I don't know if that was because of the chia seeds or just because of the gelatin and the refrigerator, but um, it was good an hour after I made it. It was, in my mind, too firm later that night. It almost was more like a jam
1: okay and and so good point about the jam as I was making this I felt like I was making jam it did feel that way right yeah uh, however it may have been some of your modifications because I made my strict recipe I made it about 11 o'clock in the morning and then we had dessert probably 637 that night and I thought the consistency was great okay it was so too gummy the seeds it might be right it might be that it was mm-hmm. um it was kind of like a soft set like you said maybe after hour. But mm-hmm. I didn't feel it went too far, like into gummy bear territory. Um, after <laughs> after being in the fridge for for most of the day, um, okay, yeah it it was it was a revelation and so easy and so simple and. Just nothing like a raspberry flavored, you know, box of Jello that you would that no. you would get. No, Mm-mm. not at and all.
0: Here's the other thing about this recipe that I think you know we chose raspberry, but it would be beautiful with whatever berries are currently in season. So blackberries, marionberries, blueberries. I mean, you know, you you start with a pint of berries and add your sugar and and go from there, and you'd be great. That's um, right. I also tried on day two, I was thinking about, I think we have listener Jeff. I'm pretty sure he's a vegetarian. So I thought he might not want the gelatin. So I tried making it without the gelatin and just the chia seeds. And um, it did not set up on the first day. It was still pretty runny. But it did set up overnight. It n- it never set up as much as my first one that had okay. the gelatin in it. Um, but I actually like the texture of the one without
1: the gelatin and just the chia seeds. So- Some options for you guys to try out. And one wonders, how long have chia seeds been around? Is this still something that Thomas Jefferson would recognize?
0: (laughs) (laughs) So that is something I'm glad you mentioned that because I was laughing to myself thinking, how funny is it that I had chia seeds in my pantry, but I had to go to the grocery store to buy the gelatin. Like, you know, my mom's kitchen in the 50s, they
1: definitely would have had gelatin. They would not have had chia seeds. How true. Well, so a great success for both of us bakers. If you want to modify, it sounds like it's open to some modifications, healthy or not, with some chambord or some chia seed. It's also absolutely stunning and delicious straight as the recipe is written. So again, that was the Raspberry Flummery from Richard Sachs' Classic Home Desserts.
0: Two thumbs up for
1: sure. Yeah, you bet. Let me tell you a little bit
0: about my trip to Nashville, Tennessee.
1: You lucky girl. I can't wait to hear this. So
0: first of all, big disappointment, um, no Reese Witherspoon sighting. Uh,
1: Or like everyone lives there now, right? Like Nicole Kidman and Sheryl Crow.
0: And And I I was keeping my eyes open because I got lucky in my Christmas trip to L.A. I don't know if I told you this, but I did hold the door open for Ashton Kutcher um, at, (laughs) at the Getty Museum
1: this is all kinds of wrong.
0: What? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I was, I was pushing my way in through the door and there was this adorable little lady with a baby stroller and looking pregnant coming through the door. And I thought, gosh, she's cute. And then I looked at the guy right next door and I thought, wow, he looks a lot like Ashton Kutcher. So I held the door open for them. They walked through and then my cousin turned to me and she said, you know who you just held the door open for, right?
1: (laughs) Well, so was the lady Mila Kunis? It was. Well, why isn't he holding the door for his wife and child? So, he was
0: holding like a 3-year-old on his on his hip. All so right. He, yeah, he okay. had a kid on his hip. She had the stroller. They were both trying to get through the door. And um I, you know, I'm sure I just looked very cool because, you know, I didn't ask them for a selfie or or look at them or anything, but really it was just cuz I was too slow on the uptake and took me a minute to figure out who they were.
1: Well, I'm sure they appreciated that. And that is an awesome celebrity sighting. But no such luck.
0: Um, the best luck we got in Nashville was one of our Uber drivers also drives a tour bus for Taylor Swift. <laughs> so <laughs> that's that's as close as we got on the that's celebrity. That's two degrees away from Taylor. Yeah. Uh-huh, uh-huh. He's Uber for two months out of the year and, and Taylor for 10. So. That's it. Um my daughter was still impressed with that by the way. She he pulled out his little um lanyards with the backstage passes and all um, that and yeah yeah she, yeah. yeah,
1: she thought that was pretty good. I mean, hot times in Music City, USA here. <laughs> So um, one of the most fabulous
0: days in Nashville was a reunion of some people that I met at Pie Camp. So I've mentioned this before. Pie Camp is run by Kate McDermott. She is the author of Art of the Pie. And she puts on these camps. Sometimes they're two days long. Sometimes they're five days long. Sometimes they're... um, local Pacific Northwest, sometimes she travels and we'll do them in California or Washington, D.C. or New York. I think if you live in a part of the country where you have enough people that you can get together and say, hey, we can put on a pie camp that she will come to you. So that's
1: awesome. It's like a roving pie camp. It is. Yes. (laughs) So
0: um, the two ladies who I met in the camp that I went to, which was out on Whidbey Island, were Amy and Denise. And I knew they lived in Nashville. So I touched base with them just to say I was going to be in town and um, asked them if they had any recommendations about places to eat. And they said, why don't we get together and bake pie? So that was really fun. Amy is a very experienced baker. She is a former owner of the Bluebird Cafe. So that's- Sure, yeah. 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 Very
1: famous. Mm -hmm. And so there's another celebrity sighting. I know. Yeah, (laughs) that's true.
0: I didn't didn't even think of that because I know her. Um, And Denise uh, is an excellent baker as well. And then my friend Grace came along. And here's the great thing. Grace had never baked a pie in her life. So this is not
1: your Pi Camp alum, then. This, right. is, a, this is okay, a, a friend, friend that you were alum. with. Yes, and never so- ever. Never, never. And oh, so it wow. was really fun
0: to take what we learned in Pie Camp and try and translate it over to someone who's never baked before.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And
0: let me just say that her pie turned out beautifully. Grace I, is a natural. She's a natural. She's an artist. She took her time. She kept saying, I'm sorry, I'm so slow. And it was like, no, take your time. This, I mean, it just was beautiful. It was super fun. We did, um, grace did the apple pie that was her first pie we did some chocolate meringue pies that's denise's specialty and she actually was teaching amy how to do it we did a blueberry pie we did a pecan pie so we just had a super fun afternoon of baking and i really enjoyed it
1: that sounds so great i did learn some
0: new techniques on pie crust and i'm going to save those for when we um, switch over to pie (laughs) very exciting Uh, Uh, that's awesome Also, from the food lines, I like to ask Uber drivers, you know, where they would recommend eating because, Mm -hmm. you know, I feel like they're local and they might have some good recommendations. And um, none of them had any dessert recommendations. That was disappointing. They are all obsessing with something called hot chicken.
1: Hot chicken. Is that that really, really spicy chicken?
0: Right. And so, you know, I think the idea behind hot chicken is that you marinate the chicken in buttermilk with a ton of hot sauce in it before you fry it. Um, This does not appeal to me. It (laughs) it violates my rule. My number one rule is food should not hurt. And um, yeah, so there was just nothing. It was kind of funny by like the fifth or sixth Uber driver when I was like, do you have any places to recommend for the eat that have really good dessert? And then, you know, they would start going on about the hot chicken. I was like, "Eh, I'm done. but here's what I ended up finding. Um, I am a big fan of Jenny's Splendid Ice Cream. Yes. I know if mm-hmm. you've heard I, yes. of her. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so I've had the Jenny's at Home cookbook um, for quite a while. I think that came out in like 2010, 2011. And I've used it to make a lot of ice cream, but I've never been to a Jenny's store.
1: Is she from the South? I thought she was from the Midwest. She is from the
0: Midwest, but okay. she doesn't have any locations in the Pacific Northwest. But yeah, she okay. had, my gosh, maybe five stores in Nashville. I mean, even what? Jenny, yeah. come on out. Come on I out know. to the here yes. you know since we don't have a jenny's in the pacific northwest i will tell you it very much reminded me of salt and straw from portland mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. Molly, molly moons yeah in Seattle. Okay. it was a okay. very similar type thing i had the um roasted br- no brown butter almond brittle
1: Mm. Oh, was, I know you
0: really love a nut for was fabulous. too. I do. Yeah. I do. It was fabulous. And so that was really fun. Um, I also had an amazing ice cream one night at a restaurant called Rolf and Daughters. It was a Turkish coffee and pistachio ice cream. Mm-hmm. And it was made in-house by the pastry chef. I, do you ever ask servers if they make their own desserts? I've started doing that, but I'm wondering if that might be kind of borderline offensive. I don't know. Yeah,
1: that's a good point. I mean, you can you can usually just tell when it hasn't been that they've right. just, you know, I find that that they're more apt to tell you if it is. Like uh-huh. be proactive about saying, you know, mm-hmm. this is this is by our pastry person or this is our in-house mm-hmm. in-house person who does desserts for us. Uh Or they'll call out specifically where they're sourcing it from. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, I think it's, you know, uh, you know, deep freeze all the way. But um, yeah, I don't I don't believe I've ever asked that question point blank.
0: Yeah, I I feel awkward asking it up front. But, you know, it's kind of one of those things where I I almost don't want it if they don't Make it. Not that it's not going to be good. It's just that Mm -hmm. I know I can get it elsewhere. Yeah. Um, So in this case, I did go ahead and order the ice cream because I decided, you know, even if they're getting it from, say, Jenny's or somewhere else, I wanted to try it. But then after I tried it, it was so amazing. I said, Do you guys make this in house? And she said, Oh, yes. And our flavor, we have three different flavors, they change every day, you know, so clearly they took a lot of time and attention on their ice cream. So it ended up my Nashville trip was very ice cream focused, which I had not expected, but I very much enjoyed. Pie and ice cream,
1: two of your favorites. Sounds like a really great weekend. It was. Oh, that's so awesome, Andrea. Thanks for that travel log. Sure. All right. Well, we're coming to the end of our month here, and it means it's time to award our coveted blue ribbon to the recipe, or in this case, the baking resolution that we feel like keeping and moving forward uh, into 2017. So, Andrea, for me, this is hard. This is a hard one. We made four different things. We made the low-fat brownies. Uh We made the chipotle bark. We made... um, I made baklava, you made French Mm macaroon, and then we made our flummery. And I know it's a cop-out to say I can't decide, but I'm having a hard time. (laughs) For me, it comes comes down between the baklava and the flummery. And they were both, you know, completely different types of dessert. One had so much effort and work, the baklava, and made so much. Mm -hmm. And then that flummery was so simple yet so delicious. I have to break with tradition here. Even though baklava is one of my favorite desserts, I think I'm going to award my ribbon to the flummery. It was so intriguing. It was so beautiful. It was so simple. And I think this is something that I can easily do. It suits my family's, you know, it makes about four as opposed mm-hmm. to baklava, which makes a, a big, big pan. Um, I'm, I'm going to go with flummery. Yep. Well, not surprisingly, once again,
0: we are we agreeing? Yes. (laughs) We award the same blue ribbon. You know, the main reason I'm going with the Flummery too is when I was eating that second serving (laughs) about an hour after I made it, I just thought this is the, we entertain a lot and I'm always looking for a dessert and I don't want some big, heavy, complicated dessert at the end of a meal. I don't want people to feel like they have to eat it because I've spent so much time putting it together or anything. I just want them to, you know, eat it. It if they want to, and you know, feel free to pass if they don't. And this is so simple and so easy that I thought, you know, no one would feel bad about saying, ah, "I'm going to pass," because it's essentially just raspberries. I mean, they could just say, like, "No, I'm good. I don't," you know, "I'm not a big raspberry fan," or whatever. Yeah. Um. And it, you literally could whip it up an hour before people walk in your door, and it's yep. ready to go.
1: Yep. And it's so unique and different and beautiful. I don't know how many times I can say that. This would be a beautiful Valentine's Day dessert for looking ahead a little bit. It's red and white and with a little cream on top if you choose to go that route. And uh, yeah, I I loved it. I'm really glad that we explored an old-fashioned recipe and we're going to be you know, bringing it back from the 18th century into modern times.
0: Yeah, I was almost hoping I would have a little trouble with the flummery because I was dying to use the expression and say I was flummoxed by flummery.
1: Oh my gosh, I had the same thought. I was like, <laughs> we could title this flummery flux or yes. But it was so easy, and I can't think yep. of any
0: alliterative uh, mm-hmm. phrases to Fantastic say. Fantastic flummery. Oh, there you go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. There you go. It was easy. Um, I. This is one of those things, too, where I, I think to myself, you know, um, sure, in the 18th century, if you had to make your own gelatin, that would be a, a huge amount of work. But this is clearly one of those things that is so much better homemade than the box gelatin. There, there just is no comparison. And it's, so, would, it's so easy. You're not – it's not – gonna you know cause you any extra time really
1: to do it this way i would render my own gelatin for flummery (laughs) (laughs) wow i know that's that's how much i loved it so oh well andrea the timer's buzzed and we've got to get to our dishes join us next week listeners as we kick off national pie month we're gonna cover it all award-winning pies, upside-down pies, non-traditional pies, and our favorite pies. February's a short month, but we're going to cram it full of delicious pie. Remember, you can find us and our featured recipes on our website, preheatedpodcast.com, on Facebook and Pinterest, and download us on iTunes. We'd love it if you subscribed to our show and gave us a five-star review. Both things will help others find us. So until next time, thanks for listening and sweet dreams. is written, performed, and edited by Andrea Ballard and Stephen Cohn in association with 24th Floor Productions.